0: Greetings, everyone. Here we are with Jeannie. And um, Jeannie, welcome to Lessons from Leaders. We're so glad that you could make it. Thank
1: you. I'm really happy to be here.
0: And just to start with, you have an interesting, unusual journey. You're working for an organization called Internews. while you're the CEO. And that wasn't where you started. So can you tell us what, when you got that call, because you did get a call asking you if you were interested in working for Internews, and and how was that for you? What was that? What was in your mind? What did you think about Yeah,
1: that? Two, two things were happening in that phase of my life. I had started my career actually in the Foreign Service and served for six years um, in Washington and Moscow, Russia, helping open up the aid mission in Moscow in the early 90s, and when I left that, I was pretty determined not to do international work anymore. I wanted to be very close to the action. I wanted to um, sort of set, set some roots down in in the U.S. And um, uh, so I spent a lot of time thinking about that and, and, and finding different ways to sort of to have more of a domestic career and have have less travel. Um, at the time of the call from the interviews, I was actually working on a presidential campaign in 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 Oregon, um, in rural Oregon, and I was trying my best again to get really excited about this. And it was it was the Gore campaign, um, and it was going poorly and difficult in Oregon. And I get a call from uh, a, a colleague, former former service colleague who said, Jeannie, we're reopening the embassy in in Belgrade, Yugoslavia, and I'd I'd, I'd done some work there before. Can you come help? And I immediately thought, I'm quitting the Gore campaign. I'm going to Belgrade, Yugoslavia. This is after the fall of Milošević. And I just realized, okay, I do international work. I am not I'm not succeeding in my pivot to doing more domestic focused work. While in Belgrade, I got the call from Internews. And I had met Internews years ago when I was in Russia, and it was the most impactful organization that I saw, that that, that I saw when I was working there. And even though I wasn't a journalist, um, I really became passionate about the power of news and information to really change lives. And so that call right on the heels of me deciding okay I do international work and then the internews called and said hey will you come and head up our programs we need somebody who understands international development fewer journalists and one person to help with that it it made it a really easy decision i said okay the it's all aligning here i'm going with this this opportunity so i started internews 20 years ago this year actually and and uh, 8 years ago took over as the as the uh, president and ceo
0: and so Thanks for sharing that. And so often what I hear is from leaders and staff, if the person isn't like steeped in that technical area, there's some, how will they lead us? They don't understand our work or how will I lead them? This isn't my area. How how was that for you?
1: Well, I think really the key is, is that we, even though our name is introduced, we are not a news organization. Mm -hmm. So we are not producing news and that the technical aspects of doing that, we're engaging with the news media around the world, but with broader development goals, because we believe Uh, good, healthy information is a root solution to to democratic progress, is a root solution to helping solve health crises. And so, it's that strategic focus of why we do our work, uh, not just because we love media, though we do, but it's because we believe there's a, a broader social good. And so, I could bring that lens in and sort of focus our work on, okay, how are we building healthier democracies, healthier economies, you know, a, a better social safety net. How does this work do that and help tailor our strategies um, in that direction? So I, I did have a value add there at the top. And so I think that's what helped over time uh, make it really work.
0: And then I see, and, and so it's the, your strengths that you've read of your experience or your insights, your, your way of seeing in the world is, is what um, what was the value added? So, yeah. yeah. And and then the other part I was thinking about was, so you went th- up through the ranks from head of programming to, to where you are now. Um, and you were telling me earlier that when you were the COO, you thought, well, the CEO, how much change, how much difference could that be? And then what did you discover when you did end up taking over the CEO? Yeah, about your exactly. own leadership, you know, what, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was a really interesting, I was first head of programs, and then, and this is under the leadership of the founder of Internews, which is also its own dynamic for any nonprofit, head of programs, then eventually became COO, and I was his full number two. I know COOs vary sometimes, but I was you know, everybody else reported up to me and he was getting approaching retirement and, and shifting back. So, to a large degree, I was running the organization, <clears throat> the day-to-day operations at the time. And so, when this opportunity came up, the board set up a transition plan for him as he was looking at retirement and decided to put me into sort of an interim, like if we could just do this handoff and I would become CEO for a couple of years while he was stepping back. Um, and I did, did think that's the, 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 the I specifically thought, you know, same job, different title. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And it was fundamentally different. And that was such a surprise to me. Uh, the suddenly, I was in charge of strategy, not just organizing the strategy process. I was the one reporting to the board and accountable to the board, not the one that prepared everything to, to talk to the board about how well we were doing. Um, I was the one that the staff turned to. For vision and for comfort when things went poorly, and even though I did a lot of those things as COO, I would you really I just really felt the difference of sort of that this is it, this is the thing where the buck stops, and and um, uh, it was really surprising, and and it took me back for a little while, and now over time, I really started to enjoy it because those are roles that I really enjoy playing, but it was it did take a little while to get there,
0: and so like what in that in that. Grown zone phase where you're like, wait, something's not working. I mean, was it, did you, what were things not working? Did you just feel discombobulated? Were you giving you feedback? You're not, you're not stepping up the way we need. Like what were the signs? Generally
1: things were, things were working. I think generally, well, we were definitely still on a growth trajectory and, and everything was going reasonably well. What I regret about that time is that I didn't more clearly help everybody else go along with the journey as well. I mean, I was I, because I was just uncomfortable with my journey, I didn't sort of say, okay, everyone, this is a new reality and, and help people understand it could be a moment of change for the organization, a moment where we could sort of reimagine certain parts of the organization. I regret that it took about two and a half to three years before we did a new strategy process. I feel like I should have done that after the first six months or a year. Um, I actually, I was reading recently about even this, this is a pivot of this conversation, but about the return to office right now post-COVID, where you have a window where you can try new things, and it, if you don't, you know, to really take advantage of this window that we're in right now to, th- to reimagine your workplace, because it's going to get harder in a few months, and I feel like in that case, I probably made a new strategy process harder by being a little slow and sort of recognizing this, so it, it didn't have a negative i don't think it had a negative effect on the organization but i think it just slowed down some progress we could have made it a little quicker if i'd if i'd recognized it and sort of been more public about that that feeling
0: so there's two things there that i'm so interested in one is bringing everybody else along on the journey so and that's so normal right you're just trying to thinking of yourself trying to do the job and and um and so it's easy to forget other people need to also see this as a transition how do we go along with it how are you doing right. and then i'm also interested in the new the new strategy and it's easy to look back right and think oh 2020 we should have done it earlier but for all you know you did it exactly in the right time the right um and what i for instance in, uh, some a ceo i know right now who's transitioning out is wondering whether he he should do the new strategy before he leaves or mm-hmm. he should leave it for the new CEO. And so I'm just curious what you think.
1: I'll start with that one and go back to the bringing yeah. staff along. Um, I do think he, he should wait. If I were a new CEO, I certainly wouldn't want to inherit. I mean, I know again, there'd be a little bit of time, but um, I would not want to inherit a strategy that somebody else had right. done, particularly if, if if the board was involved so i would definitely wait on that one um bringing staff along i think you know we all know you have to communicate something multiple times seven times is the is the figure that i always hear uh and that is so true and particularly for international organizations i mean we are very distributed you know we have offices and all over the world we at internews have split headquarters between northern california washington and london and i sit in in rural maine and so have been sort of commuting between these offices but not in any one office permanently so that need for communication is all the greater and i feel that we that i still don't do enough i'm i'm struck by should i be having all staff meetings every week because again we're so distributed and would that be better Are we do them quarterly right now and so i'm struggling with that like how do we you know there's Monthly CEO notes, and there's quarterly all-staffs, and then there's you know more regular senior staff. But I'm I'm struggling with the right balances to sort of bring. And this is general, not just with the strategy, just generally, because I do look specifically on the strategy, which of course is deeply ingrained in my head. Boy, I see a lot of people who really, you know, there's, you know, how it's structured and and what what the main elements are, you know, it's it's not in everybody's head. And not that it needs to be in everybody's head, but it's clear that we could do a better job at reinforcing and reinforcing about the why, you know, how we're doing things and why we're doing them. So that communication piece is critical and difficult to find the right balance.
0: So I've probably been, I've probably done hundreds of assessments in organizations and organizations and teams and departments. And I can guarantee that always communication is going to arise, mm-hmm. and so I I have yet to um, be. The issue is never they just tell me too much. They're telling me all the time, right. um, and then on the other side of it is all uh, the other part I hear is leaders going, "We've already told them five times. Right. I don't know right. why they they still say they don't understand." <laughs> So I think part of it is accepting this is always mm-hmm. a challenge. We're always mm-hmm. trying to find the right balance. It's a, it's a, like, if I just had this thought, it's like, what if it was like a beautiful mystery that we're always trying to <laughs> understand and yes. unpack? because it's, you know, listening to, i just reminded,
1: what is, maybe there is no right balance. Yeah, I think it is really hard to find that balance. One thing that I've just recently changed is, um, our structure is such that we have sort of uh, uh, four big sort of organizational departments, our programs department, our sort of technical leadership department, and then all of our our CEO runs our you know, grants and finance and administrative and all of those. We also have the fourth being our European operations. Um, and then, th- then it's just me and, you know, and the board and my, you know, we have, I have a program assistant working with me, and that's qu- not quite enough for the things that I need to do. And so just this year, we put in a, a, a fairly senior manager working with me on strategy and um, and planning just to sort of get a little bit more meat around this and and to be in, in looking at the internal communications. It's been life changing. I don't know why I've never mm-hmm. had, you know, sort of allowed myself a team in, in the president's office or the ceo's office that is actually senior and able to do work as opposed to delegating the large chunks and so my advice to any ceo is think about doing that getting a real team to do your you know the work of your your position which i i maybe everybody does that and i'm really behind this behind the curve on here but it's been really life-changing for me and the organization i think it's really helping
0: let i'll um I'll be the hummingbird that takes this idea and passes it around. Please do. Please do. Or maybe the bumble- a bumblebees are better. Mm-hmm. Analogy. Yeah. yeah. So, Judy, when you think about your leadership, what, and another way of thinking about it is what do you expect from leaders, your, like, executive team and their leadership. And so the question is, what is, for you, great leadership? Either what you're uh, doing as, to or or what you expect from from your executive
1: leaders yeah i mean i i think it's going to sound like what you probably hear from a lot of leaders but just really letting you know providing some guidelines about where where we're going some direction and then sort of stepping back and let it letting everybody run i think where i don't do a good enough job is sort of really being clear about specific expectations and then accountabilities. I'm very much a a person of just like, you know, I believe that people will succeed in running. We actually have very talented staff that are extraordinary and, you know, own their own parts of the business beautifully. Um, But sometimes I I mean, I think that I, I don't do enough of that. And I think that's frustrating both for my senior leaders as well as for the organization that it's not. I think leaders should should do both, put that big vision and let people run, but then have a few clear accountabilities and, um, you know, expectations, accountabilities. And that's where I, I need to work on um, moving ahead is, is, is that piece of it.
0: That's cool, thank you. And thanks for sharing where you're, uh, you're, you're aspiring to also.
1: Yeah. And we all have work to do.
0: <laughs> we, and that's, so let's own it, you know, yeah. instead yeah. of pretending that we don't. Um, and then the other pit I wanted to make sure we didn't miss talking about was the succession of you taking over from the founder. Those those two parts that come up for me. One is taking over from the founder, Mm -hmm. um, which is, as we know, is its own, um, interesting journey. And then the other is that you were an internal candidate. So maybe Mm -hmm. these are blended, but if you could talk about your experience and I know you have, um, Lessons learned from that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a very specific process that we went through where, again, the founder, former CEO, was thinking of retiring. The board recognized it and wanted to work with him. And so we came up with this plan that was sort of a staged plan where after two years, it's for two years he was CEO and I was president and then for two years after that I would be the acting I would be the CEO but he would be on as a senior advisor sort of actually two and a half it's like a five-year plan and there wasn't an expectation necessarily that I would stay as permanently as CEO but it ended up being that way with the board everything worked I think it worked well and i think the organization has has benefited i think from my leadership um but i wouldn't call it a best practice it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be something that i would recommend i do think it's hard i do think it does a disservice to an organization to not at least consider external candidates but in fact i think breathing new life i've been with this organization for 20 years and a number of our senior managers have been with this organization for 20 years or you know 15 to 20 years which means we're not getting a lot of that comparative organizational experience coming in Um and we are sort of building processes and way we, we do things based on just history and sort of sometimes you have to like just throw that history out and allow for fresh new ideas. And so I do see, again, I feel like it's worked well for internews and I feel like the metrics prove that as well as sort of the staff, you know, people didn't leave. Everyone seems reasonably happy. We're, we're generally very, very successful. Um, but I would recommend, and I have recommended our board that if, as I go, that that's not the plan is to sort of cultivate somebody from within and have that, ex- even that expectation, I think, is a little unhealthy. And so um, not what I would recommend, even though it's what we did. <laughs> so that's um, uh, an unusual place to be.
0: Yeah, and that's a good but that's a that's a good learning. So you can sit in from inside and say it worked for us. But and I don't think it's a you know a way to go for others. Yeah. And finally, I don't know if it's finally. And what when you think of your own leadership journey, what advice would you have? Would you give your younger self? Yeah. Do you know now that you wish you knew then?
1: I mean, the advice I always give young people, which I would also give my younger self, is is don't over plan your life. I mean, you know, I generally sort of in, in three to five year increments, do what's very exciting and joyful for you. And don't worry about the, you know, what does this mean for my long term career? I mean, a major moment in my life was quitting the foreign service after six years and having an HR person say, no one quits the foreign service. Like, well, I'm going to quit the foreign service because I don't envision this as, as my life. I I'd had this amazing experience. It was fantastic. I went, I'm so glad I did it, but it wasn't where I wanted to go and sort of it was sort of shocking for a few people that, that somebody would do that. And, um, and, and, you know, I look now and say, well, I could be retired with a nice giant panel, <laughs> but I, I don't regret it at all. And sort of, there've been a number of pivots like that where you just sort of jump and you, and so I tell my younger self, don't worry about that. I tell younger people to, to definitely do that at some level, I'd say even more risks. I mean, there were moments when, I thought about doing something completely different and I didn't do that. And sort of, I, I think I could have, and still ended up in, in, um, in a good place because if you just go with what's most exciting, interesting to you at that time, you will thrive in that space, whatever that space is. And that helps build you to the next place. So don't over plan is, is what I would recommend.
0: And anything else that's, Great advice. And anything else? So you think back on your younger self and anything else that you you think would be useful?
1: Well, I think there's the balance of I mean, I mean I, you know, the balance of personal life and professional life and sort of those intertwining sort of decisions that you don't I think when I started all of this career, I didn't really think through some of the trade-offs there and again i'm 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 in a group you know i'm not saying that in know a, 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 like i feel like i'm in a bad place with that but i i think there's an intertwine between your personal life and your professional life that in the frame that i was just saying do what what builds both joy you need to think about both of those sides your professional and personal life while you're doing that thinking and i don't i definitely didn't do a lot of that when i was when i was coming up through this journey and i'm really pleased with where i've ended up um and again making sort of some very a little bit you know exotic decisions about moving to rural maine for my family which we did 13 years ago right at this transition with the with the leadership which is why i assumed i wouldn't stay at internews because it just didn't seem possible that i could well take a risk a big risk like that and it was you know it worked and and so i just feel like if you you do need to make those decisions too and what's best and we've the organization has thrived and my family has thrived because of that decision so that that coupling of, of those types of decisions i think is important too
0: and what i appreciate about that story about the moving to maine but all through your career you have um taken made decisions that were good for you and might have derailed your career yeah, and you you had the courage to say, "Well, we'll do this, and we'll see, we'll." I, what I make up is, you said, "We'll do this, and we'll see what happens." And then, and I
1: trust that it will work. You know, so like trusting in yourself. Yeah,
0: I think that's huge. Trusting it'll work and trusting yourself, I think, yeah. is quite big. And maybe also trusting that the world isn't a scary, dangerous place, and you're going to be okay. Right?
1: Yeah, completely.
0: Um, completely agree yeah. with that. Thank you, Jeannie. Is there um, anything we haven't talked about that you would want to add?
1: I think we've done a pretty good job. I feel pretty good about this conversation. We could talk for more. There's oh. so much
0: in your in your in your background and history we could unpack. And I wanted to thank you for coming on our podcast and sharing your experience and. Um, I just want to give a shout out to everyone to do look up Internews. They're doing some very interesting work so and unusual work. So um, do check out their website.
1: Yes, you. internews.org. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. It was fun to talk. Thank you.